Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, hosted by your favorite football writers ever of all time. That was that, I I didn't. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Maybe not. All right. How about your favorite podcasters of all time? Uh, like of any podcast. Well, the problem is, like, my mom's gonna listen to this one, and she's gonna be like, "Ben, you can't be telling people that you're the favorite football writers. That's not fair." Okay. I'm still, like, "Mom, it was right. a joke." All right. Still no. Um, what about your favorite podcast host on the Locked On Podcast Network? Yeah, I'm willing to do that because I'm not on the Locked On Podcast Network anymore. But then again, you're right. I, it is, is me. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good for that. You're right. Best that podcast hosts on this particular network. No, because you're not, so that disqualifies us. All right, the best host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast ever. Yeah, this is good because it's just directly at Kyle and Joe. So I, that, I'm fine with that. Cosign, I'm in. All right, I'm Trevor Sikama. The other voice is Ben Solak. We are here Howdy. to talk about running backs. We're going through previewing a lot of the 2020 eligible running backs. Uh, and yesterday we had, who did we have yesterday, Ben? AJ Dillon. Yep. Travis Etienne. There it JK is. Dobbins. I really just wanted to hear you say Etienne to hear if you would say Etienne, which I've been is working not how on. You it. Say his name. I am very particular about pronouncing prospect names correctly. I bring <laughs> that to the table. You do. You do. And I appreciate that from you. Mm-hmm. Today, we're talking about three more prospects. And we're starting off with a man who I put up a Twitter poll this weekend saying, Who is your favorite running back in the 2020 class? And I put the three guys that we did yesterday, and then the fourth option was other. And people Uh, were very not happy that I did not have this next candidate as a name that was in the poll. His name is DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. From? From Philadelphia. Thank you. Hails from the city of brotherly love. He is from, I'll tell you exactly what school he's from as it loads. He's from St. Joseph's Prep, which is, yeah, Philly PA. Who is the who is the guy he he was back up to? No, so Alameda Zacchaeus, the wide receiver at oh, Virginia, yeah, that was, it. was that his was it. backup running back, and then he went and set Virginia's uh, single season receiving or career receiving record uh, as a wide receiver. And now Zacchaeus is a UDFA somewhere, and I hope he sticks because I like him. But well, I think he is really talented. But that this is not an Ole Maid Zacchaeus podcast. It is a podcast about the running back rankings, specifically at this moment in time, DeAndre Swift. What'd you think of him? What'd you think of DeAndre Ben? I'll put it to you this way. I'll answer your question with a question. You're what not allowed did, to do that. What did you write down for things DeAndre Swift is bad at? Oh Be- boy, um, it ain't because I had trouble. <laughs> it ain't it ain't much, brother. I I mean, like whatever you would want to say about DeAndre Swift, even if there are little parts of his game that you want him to be better at, you would not say that they are bad. I there is. I think he's he is a at least average, if not plus, pass protector. I think he's a plus, if not like distinctly advantageous receiving back. And I think he's a tremendous runner inside and outside. I like. I have no complaints yeah, it's, with the game of a sophomore who spent his freshman season behind Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, which never heard of him. But and then that's the crazy thing. We've got Swift. Swift has forty nine career receptions, which is a really nice number for your first two years. Yeah, it is when he was not a full-time starter either of those years, which, given the way Georgia 
rotates their backfield, there's a chance we really won't see him that involved in the run in the pass catching game as much in his junior season as he was the last two years. But I was so pleasantly surprised to see how much he was throwing the football, which is a result of how many good players were in front of him. So he has a good pass catching profile. You saw him be effective on swings, effective on flares. He was up the seam. They ran him multiple times on bus routes. I didn't see a good target for him there, but they're comfortable with him running those routes. And honestly, that is more than you'll get for a lot of these college running backs. So that's tremendous. Pass protection-wise, they kept him on the field on third down. He read near side to far side, located the most dangerous threat, working inside to out, successful cut blocking and successful maintaining his blocks, willing to chip when flaring out of the backfield, just checking every box. And then with the ball in his hands, Swift, Firstly, so dynamic, right? Like when you watch him move, it, it's it's virtuoso stuff, right? Like his body control, the wide base, the foot frequency, the anticipation, like he's just a joy to watch because it looks like a chess match. Like it looks like, I don't know, Sonic the Hedgehog bopping through. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's moving. <laughs> I like the he, analogy. I like it. He, but like, it's just like, like you can tell mentally and in terms of coordination, maybe not true speed, but like coordination, like I said, body control and step frequency, he's just moving at a different click than everybody else. And like we're talking good SEC competition. Yeah. And like he's the urgency with which he runs is very evident. He's snappy. He's dynamic. He moves. And it's really, really cool to see him. He's got that slalom style to him a little bit, that lower half divorce from the upper half. So, you know, belt up is just so steady. It's so balanced, so controlled. And then belt down, the legs are flaring out and, and, and working outside of his frame, keeping him in balance, ready yeah. to always change direction. That slalom style is really, really attractive. I, I have no complaints with Swift. Uh, I, right now, like if I look at Etienne and Swift. Don't don't well, give it away. Don't give it away. We got to do our top gonna, fives. I wasn't going to okay. give it away. All right. I was going to say, looking at Etienne and Swift, I don't care. Flip a coin. Give me either one. Like right now, like what they have, like obviously we're going to get another season, but oh man, yeah. tremendous watch DeAndre big, Swift. Big debate going into the season, I think, between who you'd rather have because when, when you look at DeAndre Swift, first adjective that comes to mind, thick. Okay, like dude. Oh, built. great point. Dude, dude is two hundred and fifteen pounds, and one hundred and seventy-five of those are in his thighs. Dude Unbelievable. is built, and when I looked at him, this is—I I mean, I, I'm not even talking about when I when I studied him. I'm talking about the first time I got a look at DeAndre Swift. So it was probably either sometime two years ago when I was looking at him. I'm like, okay, this dude's obviously a hoss. Okay, he's going to be their workhorse. He's going to be the guy that they give it to. Get him the extra yards on some third and shorts, some goal line situations. The way that this man can shimmy shake and have agility to make defenders miss is pretty damn crazy for the size that he is. His build is nearly when you talk about building a running back perfectly. You would want him to be built almost exactly like DeAndre Swift because he's short enough to where when he's lowering his shoulder, he can get consistent leverage on a lot of different tacklers. And especially running through the middle on some interior players that are probably popped up pretty high already in linebackers as well. So he has natural leverage because he's only about 5'9", 5'10". But then you have the thickness to him at 215 pounds and not only that it's in his lower body it's in the parts of his body that give him what you talked about there the balance the power the leg drive the burst all that kinds of stuff the thing is is that there are running backs who have been built like deandre swift before but they can't move like him in a finesse 
way. That's Nappy. where he is rare. And this guy is really good. Not only that, too, we talked about with ETN, him really not ever running out of gas. There were a couple long balls from from uh, from DeAndre Swift where I was like, okay, he's going to get caught from behind. And he didn't. And oh. I, I mean, it's just what he is able to do, kind of being able to put it all together with his body frame, his skill set, and what you want out of the running back position. It's pretty special, and I, I'm glad that you introed him the way that you did with f- find me the weakness because there's really not with this guy. And at that point, right. when you know that his his floor is extremely high, and then you also see some of the really great things that he does, the vision that he has, how he's able to put good put guys on skates, make him these missed tackles, and then be able to put his foot in the ground and just go straight up field. That's special, man. It really is. Uh, and, and yeah, like when I say like, you know, like kind of what's the weakness, it's a different paradigm versus like where I looked at ETN and I was like, this guy is such a calling card, such a strength that like I'm willing to overlook other stuff. Like if your running backs coach or if your offensive coordinator or even your general manager is going to put a premium and he's going to say, listen, I am not drafting an early running back that does yeah. not have proven receiving ability at the college level. Well, guess what? DeAndre Swift, baby. I mean, it's there. And that's a huge like, – I cannot – stressing up like even if that doesn't in his junior year it's not as big of a part of his games he's the feature running back because he had that experience as a freshman and as a sophomore when he was sharing time with chubb michelle and then elijah holyfield that's still that's so great for his profile you've seen natural hands you've seen at least a basic route tree from him that's massive and the point you bring up about natural leverage and his power is so important too swift first he wants to make you miss but he's very willing to finish runs and that's exciting stuff um we're talking about kylan hill next Running back from Mississippi State. Okay, this is a guy who, as a sophomore, I, I mean, the eye test. This guy passed with flying colors. I mean, he is he is built basically in every way. He is a sculpted running back. Okay, this guy is muscular. He's got Healthy. a lot of speed. He's got a lot of strength, and that's easy just from when you look at the dude. You know. Uh, the kind of almost like potential violence in the game for a violent position a where he's word. taking contact all the time. You could just look at it and know that this guy can do it. He was uh, now people people sometimes forget this, but we're here to remind him. Um, Aris Williams, uh, the running back who was ahead of him, right? He was a senior last year. Not only was he a senior, he's a former thousand yard back from Mississippi State, and they started Hill over him. Like they were like, yeah, yeah, we're start we're starting this sophomore over you, and he kind of took over. There's a lot of I think athletic and body profile things that you like about Hill, but to where he has a lot of strength breaking tackles, I can see him put his foot in the ground and get upfield. You can see some athleticism and some power in his body in, in a speed way too, converting a lot of speed to power. His vision is not there. It is, and I hate to say this because it's just going to sound like a nail in the coffin, but it's Trent Richardson-esque to me. Because I watch... Now, I'm not saying that like he can't get better at it, but like when I watch Hill, he is so focused on getting contact and moving up field that he will just straight up run into his own blockers at times. And I need the guy to get a little bit better at noticing where, he, where green grass is and not just what the shortest line would be between like, hey, I need to get the first down or something like that because there's sometimes better lanes that you can run to green grass that you can find when you're able to have a little bit better vision and so I was really I was really turned off by Hill's vision 
so that was kind of my big gripe on him when I was watching him. Did you kind of feel the same way or am I, or do you think I'm crazy? I think to a lesser shade, I'm going to push back on that because I, to me, first year in a Joe Moorhead offense, I'm not going to fault a running back for really having to, uh, you know, take some time to acclimate to what's a very pole heavy, very multiple linemen moving, multiple reads, sort of a, a of a blocking system. There's so much misdirection that goes into that. And Hill, you saw them use him a lot in like jet motions and return yeah, motions. Yeah, Right, which I think, number one, illustrates uh, a player who, yeah, probably between the tackles, I think he lacks patience. I agree with you there. But also, number two, like if he's not ready to execute those concepts yet, we'll just get him outside, you know what I mean, and just run midline sure. option sort of stuff. Yeah, you're trying so to get I'm, him paired I'm, up yeah. against like a corner or something, and obviously it's a massive mismatch with a guy his size. Right, uh, and, and that's the thing is like – Hill on the outside, Hill attacking and man line of scrimmage, Hill attacking force players is a great situation. And Hill's got that wonderful, you said, violence. He's a violent style of running. Uh, and he's really able to, I think, translate velocity into power really, really well. It's something mm-hmm. we mostly talk about, you know, turn speed into a power as an edge rusher. But as a running back, I mean, Hill's really able to bring oh, you the could hammer. Totally, you could totally do yeah, that as a running back. Exactly. We don't use that terminology as much, but it's absolutely something we're Hill here brings to, to the we're table. Here to, we're here to be trailblazers, Ben. Right. Portland now, Trailblazers, think, even. No, they 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 lost. Dibs on being Dame Lillard. They gave up who three gonna seventeen be? point. Who are you going to be? Um, I'm Dame Lillard. Who do they have? Is CJ McCollum? I'm trying, Jennifer. <laughs> there it is. Got one. Um, Hill, I think what he has, he has that one cut style. He has that slasher style to him, which which the frame supports. I think the explosiveness supports it. Like I said, the willingness to hit, the violence supports it. Struggled with injury uh, this past season. Ankle injury in the Ole Miss game. Ankle injury against, I think, Ole Miss. I know that he was day-to-day for a little bit. And then he, uh, uh, no, to LSU. LSU was the injury. Then he was day-to-day, came back for a game. He missed a couple more weeks, had another injury against Iowa in the bowl game. So he gets beat up a little bit because of his running style, because he's so aggressive. And so you want to see him tone that down a little bit. But I think as a zone-style runner, one cut and go, he's absolutely a translatable-style player. You see the traits work really, really nicely. The Moorhead offense, like, I'll be honest with you, I would – they brought in Tommy Stevens, the Penn State quarterback, as a transfer. And he might get the starting job. Obviously, Moorhead worked with him when he was there at Penn State. I think that's a disservice to Hill because having the, the running quarterback means you're going to get a lot more of these multi-pole concepts, a lot more of these GT counter reads, these wraps, these read options. And that makes Hill, firstly, have to wait patiently behind pullers, execute power concepts. And secondly, it's going to put him in space plays a lot where I really want to see him run between the tackles because that's what he's going to be doing at the, at the NFL level. And yeah. so I don't love his fit in the Moorhead offense and what it asks him to do because he's not elusive. Um, but as a slasher type, I think he translates. And so he might be a guy who's tricky to peg because of the scheme and because of health concerns. Yeah, I guess I, I'm really interested to see how he does this year because the lack of patience really stood out to me when I was watching his tape. And when you don't have patience as a runner and you are just a guy who just tries to find contact in any way possible going north to south, like, I... I I guess it's valiant to an to an extent. Like you're like, oh, you know, he'll he's given his body for the team every play and things like that. But like, brother, I need you to protect yourself and find the lane, right? I don't need you to just run into everybody all the time. And I feel like Hill right. was running into everybody all the time. So 
Need a little bit more patience from him. Obviously, the athletic profile is there. You could see it. Very easy to see the violence in his game. We talked about that, uh, not only when it comes to contact, but also like through speed. I mean, the guy is just chugging like a locomotive even when he's running full speed. And so that's there. Just need a little bit more patience. Um, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Last guy that we're talking about today. I am going to be honest, Ben. I did not think... Don't. That he, oh. what was what? What did you what did you think that I was gonna say? I did not like his film. Oh God, no! I'm not an idiot. Right. All right. Okay. Now, can I make a second guess? Sure. Yes. I did not think he was gonna be that fast. I did not think Jonathan Taylor was gonna be that fast. See, this is I. I have this huge thing. Jonathan Taylor, back to back New Jersey track, which is not an easy state. New Jersey track 100 meter dash champion in high school. Back to back, 10-6-4, 10-6-1. Now, uh, he was 15 pounds lighter. Absolutely. Maybe even more. But the young man can fly. Ran a 4-4-2 for recruiting. He, this kid, this kid's got he, wheels. And not he only does he scoop. have wheels, he, uh, Jonathan Taylor is so damn mobile laterally and vertically, going north to south, east to west. I mean, this guy is chopping his feet. He's making dudes miss at his ankles. He's putting his foot in the ground. He's going uphill, and he's outrunning safeties. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I saw that in his tape. I was so incredibly impressed with how often they went to this kid and how often he delivered for them. He the, See, but yeah, that's go, a double-edged sword. Well, you, because, are you talking about the mileage? Yeah, it's a problem. I mean— this Grammar. is Wisconsin, it's Wisconsin though. He's gonna have 900 carries when he declares. I know he is, but like in this class, if he that's ain't that beat up, I don't care. I mean, I, I hear you, and if he's a tank, he's a tank. But like, God forbid, he gets an ankle injury that makes him miss two games this year. Team's gonna be terrified, terrified. Yeah. And even if they're yeah. not even terrified, even if they're a little bit put off. You've got a lot of options in this class. And so if, if, if you're worried about let, 606 carries now for 4,171 yards, which is insane. 600 carries average over six yards a carry. That's, Most, that's the crazy part. That, that, listen, right now, like he had, I can't, like, I, I, I need, I can't express to you how crazy this stat is. And I read this in Hayden Wink's. Of Roto World, he released the top 50 college running backs of 2019, mm-hmm. more from like a fantasy perspective. But Jonathan Taylor was in his tier one uh, 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 of backs. Only four backs made it. Three of them we've talked about. One we're talking about on Thursday. A little spoiler, you'll find out who it is. Jonathan Taylor had the most 10 plus yard runs in the country this year. It's crazy. Or in, 20, in 2018. It's crazy. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. And like, obviously. He had way more runs than everybody else, and I acknowledge that. But for like Etienne was a starter last year. Swift was getting a ton of carries, right? Jonathan, jo- Josh Jacobs was in the was it exists. Jamar Jefferson's running. You know Benjamin was running. J.K. Dobbins was running. Like good players. Jonathan Taylor more ten plus yard runs. The explosiveness that he brings in a two hundred and twenty five, two hundred twenty pound frame. I mean, I do not like, you. I, I cannot remember seeing him go down on first contact. It doesn't happen. He's too powerful. He has too good of anticipation, and he has great, great linear explosiveness, let alone for a 220-pound guy. And then he has the ability in the third level to run away from secondary players who are like 40 pounds is lesser. Amazing. Amazing physical profile. I have 
two worries. One of them is the mileage worry, and that's the bigger of the two right now. Sure. In terms of, I think that's just going to push his draft stock down. It's something that players are going to be afraid of. But number two, he's a bit picky. And, and for a 220-pound guy— The hell does really that mean? For, a, for a, a guy with his size, for a guy of his power, sometimes when things aren't blocked nicely, which happens very rarely for Taylor— he uh-huh. kind of does. He, he does that thing that people didn't like Saquon Barkley for doing, right? And Barkley would like dance a little bit behind the line and like try to wait for some sunlight to open and try to like force lanes where they didn't really exist. Yeah. But Barkley could make guys miss behind the line of scrimmage like nobody's business. Taylor does not have that level of elusiveness, and so like Taylor, who I, Taylor, I'll put it. I'll put it to you this way. I think Taylor. I think Taylor is a little bit spoiled by how good of an offensive line he has at Wisconsin. So when it's not blocked cleanly for that him, I'll agree with you. Sometimes Taylor just needs to learn how to swallow a lump, pick up two yards, and live to fight another down just by burrowing his head and falling forward. You know what I mean? Like sometimes to see defense how, wins the rep. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how much of a habit that is in this next year, though. Because I didn't I know the plays that you're talking about. I just didn't note them to the same emphasis that you did. So I'm I'm very interested to, I guess, watch him this year and see if that really is a problem with him because I didn't really think it was a problem with his tape. I, I, I saw it, but not to the extent. I mean, Wisconsin runs the ball a lot, right? I mean, like, their passing attack was atrocious. So their only offensive weapon is Jonathan Taylor. And a lot of those plays that I feel like you're talking about where he's getting, like, hit in the backfield— there's like three unblocked guys because they just jailbreak and they if they know that yep. Jonathan Taylor's getting the ball. So I I wonder how much of that it might be Taylor and might just be like, dude, he was screwed on that play. There was nothing that he was going to do about it. Yeah. Um, now I, I should say mm-hmm. there's one critical thing that I think is absolutely huge for Jonathan Taylor, which is at the end of 2018 when Hornerbrook went down slash was benched and they had Jack. Coke or whatever the heck that quarterback 17's name was, Jack or some sort of they, they had Jack that and Coke. In. Yeah, that guy. They ran a lot more shotgun sets, and so Taylor was running out of shotgun alignments, and that is H U G E huge for his eval because there's like the under center stuff is great, and he profiles better as an under center back, and he's great as under center reads. That's awesome. That's just much more irregular at the NFL level now as far as a, a regular offensive set than shotgun sets. And Taylor showing that he can be effective without that runway out of shotgun sets was something that coming in, I was like, I'm worried I won't find these reps and it'll be a gap, but you find them. Like if you go watch Miami's game, the pinstripe bowl is so the second bowl game they played against Miami, the one this year, not last year. Uh they watched that game exclusively or running almost entirely out of shotgun sets, which is huge for Zeb. I was very happy to see that. There it is. There we it is, did folks. it. Three more down. Three more running backs now. Oh, before I before I I I did have one last thought about Taylor. Um, we already kind of hinted at the fact that we think that Travis Etienne would be worth first round consideration because of how he can score so many points. And if earlier in the podcast we hinted that it's basically a toss up between who you like better, that means that DeAndre Swift's got to be in the conversation as well. All I'm saying is, if Josh Jacobs and Rashad Penny went in the first round, Jonathan Taylor can too. I, they, then the, and I think that a team right. can convince themselves that Jonathan Taylor can go in the first round. I We've watched six backs. I can talk myself into four of them in the first round without hesitating. Who's the fourth one? Dobbins? So, yeah. Oh. 
Like I thought, like I and when I say talk myself, I don't think first round. I don't know if Dobbins I, I mean, would go first round. I think the Dobbins would be a high second round guy. When I say talk myself into the first round, I mean to say like I can convince myself a team will do it. Oh, right sure, now, sure, sure. yeah. I don't like I, I would like Etn would be the one that I, Etn and Swift would be the two that I would circle as potential first rounders for me when everything is said and done. Um, obviously we're ten months out, but like I don't think Dylan gets it, and I don't think Hill gets it. Part injury, part play style, you know, like you know what replacement level caliber player are they? But like. Jonathan Taylor, absolutely. Old heads are going to want to bring this guy in and give him 300 touches in the next five years. Heck yeah, brother. Tomorrow, Cam Akers, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Michael Pirine, Malik Davis, Reggie Corbin. I mean, we're going to be we're going to start running through some of these. Oh, so okay. I got to fix my spoiler. The fourth tier one guy for Hayden Winks off of his analytics profiles is a Thursday guy, not a Wednesday guy. No, you said Thursday. Oh, I did? All right, good Yeah. What can I say? I'm a smart guy. I would edit this part of the podcast, but that would con- that would require more work for me, so I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to let you live in your own mistake. Green grinder. That's what we're doing tomorrow and Thursday. I guess Ben handed Thursday a little bit, too. We got a lot of running backs to get to because this class has not dropped off in the fun level. Like We are still really enjoying watching all these guys. They're going to be very alluring to the NFL. I mean, we've only been through six. Like Ben just said, we've been through six running backs, and you could convince yourself that four of them could be potential first-round guys in today's age. Like, that's how good we're talking about this running back class being. So, yeah. full day Wednesday, full day Thursday, top fives and fan Friday coming up on Friday as well. So, until then, you keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.